The History of Personal Computing. History of Personal Computing. Welcome back to the History of Personal Computing podcast. This is show 59 for Saturday, March 4th, 2017. And I'm David Grealish, and I'm joined here as usual by guess who? Jeff Salzman. Hey, (laughs) that's me. I haven't talked to you like in a month. Has it been that long? Since last month. Yeah. Has it really? Since, Since last month, at least. Really? Maybe it's two weeks, three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I think it. Well, anyway, sometime in February. Right. It seems long, but remember, February is a short month. Yes. But it seems like a, an ages ago. I felt like I went through summer and back. Um, well, I don't know yeah, about there, but warm the, weekends. Yeah, the weather is uh, weird. I was able to get the motorcycle out for a couple days earlier this or earlier in February. Yeah, me too. Now it's too cold again for me. Anyway. Exactly. Yep. Oh, it's. Uh, what's the temperature here right now? 27 degrees. Yeah, so. that's seriously cold. Uh, as, as my uh, gas-fired furnace kicks in and s- starts up. Which, uh, here, I'll go ahead and give the temperature here, too. Darn this thing. This has been doing, you know, interestingly, since we're talking about Android phones, my Android phone, which, you know, recently went to Android 7, and then on the on the front screen, the home screen, you can push the little thing and update the weather, and I try to push yeah. it, and then it just goes to settings like to do local weather instead of it updating oh that's so like different. it hasn't updated since uh seven eight i have uh, android seven also and are you um, having problems with it no it, it worked like you know for the, for the weather icon which is in the upper right hand corner of my home screen yeah i just tap right on that and it brings me to the weather page okay well mine's let's see if it updates it still says north buckhead which is where i work and I'm I'm like 20 miles north of that, so uh, so it's not updating. But you know that's a minor thing. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise, at the very bottom right hand corner, you'll see when it was updated, what time, and then there's yeah. a little update uh, icon that you can press that'll update it. Actually, it shows it was just updated, but it's still reading for North Buckhead instead of Alpharetta or Johns Creek. Oh, that's that's weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, I'm trying to get to where uh, it says it's 47 degrees, which is probably about right for here too. You know, for the whole general area. So yeah, it's it's coming up to you know upper. So we're about 20 degrees warmer than you, but you know this is the south. So for here, that's right. The deep that's, south. That's still pretty chilly. So anywho, today is a very special show, and um, so we're, we're wrapping up our our look at smartphones. Really, our look at. Um, sort of what we had planned to do as far as the three tiers of personal computing, starting with desktop computers representing the first tier, and then laptop or portable computing, luggables and laptops for the second tier. And then our third tier, which sort of um, was a hybrid of starting off with handheld palm tops and then uh, PDA-type devices, and then now finally into smartphones. So today we're going to cover Android devices. Um, But first, is there... uh, we're, we're both going to talk about the VCFs in our areas coming up, but is there anything, anything personal or new with you you want to talk about? No, not really. Um, um, anything in the vintage computing world, uh, about the only thing that I 
had acquired recently that even comes close to uh, vintage computing would be a series of um, Un- uh, unfortunate events. Yeah, <laughs> um, they, they were getting ready to recycle some old electronics at work, and yeah. I managed to snag a twenty-inch um, Sony broadcast monitor. Oh, that's a cool. heavy-duty one for like you know that they use in the control rooms. Yeah. Um, it also supports analog and digital RGB, but I haven't tested it out yet. So it should hook up to my Amiga computer and give me a 20-inch analog RGB NTSC-compatible uh, color monitor. Um, but along with that, I got a, um, a Sony Betamax recording deck that uses wow. the large tapes and the smaller tapes. Or it might be beta. is it Betamax? I didn't do much research into it, but it, it takes two different size tapes. But it's for it's for broadcast use, uh, and I also got a JVC um, VHS. Um, it's a broadcast quality uh, VCR with you know editing built into it. So I I have yet to hook it all up, but I see that can be an extension of my video toaster card uh, for my Commodore Amiga. You know, give me some more tools to work with. Yeah, got to do is buy the vintage media VHS tapes I have, but I don't have those um, those beta max. Adventure, those beta beta tapes. Yeah, I don't think it was made. Maybe that's the difference. Beta Max is one thing. Beta is another. I'd have to do some research. Oh, that was used in the broadcast industry. Yeah, the the wider tapes. Yeah, because that was the one area where they they grabbed a little foothold because the quality was way better. Yeah, they had more scan lines, if I recall. Well, let's see. For me, um, nothing really in as far as vintage computing, um, other than I did decide to, which we'll talk about in a minute, exhibit at the Vintage Computer Festival Southeast here. And so I'm kind of looking forward to that, and I'm going to be building on a nice exhibit and selling some stuff. But uh, did I mention to you or in the show here that um, sort of my fascination with uh, combat meals and MREs and that sort of stuff? You mentioned I to think me, I did, right? Yeah, I, we, I think we may have talked about it in the show, but yeah, Maybe, yeah. So um, you want a lot of calories, yeah. <laughs> well, and I had bought a case of like American MREs that were, you know, still within their date, and um, and, and I'd take them for lunch once in a while because it'd been a long time since I had them when I, you know twenty plus years when I was in the army. But then, uh, and I've been watching reviews on YouTube of different, believe it or not, all kinds of MREs from around the world, and so now I've gotten uh, Russian MRE. I have a Lithuanian, and I have a Polish and English and French one coming. Wow, <laughs> so okay. It's just kind of a fun thing to mess around. And uh, a Korean I have on the way. So this is my, my other new little hobby is to get these things and you know, watch the reviews and then take and them for would lunch. Would they have the, uh, the local delicacies in them? Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting, the different takes on it. Um, most of them come with some type of um, hard cracker and then different types of either, uh, you know, jams preserves or honey um trying to think you know what else would go in there so that's really you know, staple and for then, korean foods kimchi is a staple yeah now the korean ones they're um uh i never say this right bim bimbibops or whatever they're basically like a sort of like a, a rice with seasonings and other stuff you put on it you know and then it reconstitutes with hot water um oh yeah rice yeah rice uh, reconstitutes yeah, quite well Sort of like a noodle bowl, but with better rice. than those dried beef patties. Um, and then that I the, used to get. Oh gosh, what? Else? Well, like the Lithuanian one, it came with hazelnuts and um, you know a lot of times snack crackers or uh, 
again, bread, um, and then like a, one hot meal. Um, yeah, basically carbs and protein. Yeah, which is like beans and sort of like a pasta and then meat and there and a sauce and all. And um, the Russian one came with a different sort of like pork stew and beef stew. And, uh, and what was the other? Oh, like, yeah. And this pulled pork sort of a thing. Um, kind of going blank, whatever. Yeah, the, the, like the, the shredded pork or pulled pork or whatever. I remember having that when I was in the Army. It was probably the best tasting one that they had in that first generation of MREs. And the, um, let's say the Polish and French things ones I haven't gotten yet. Of course, I had looked carefully at them. I just don't remember now what was all in them. But, um, but anyway, the one thing I want to talk about that I got yesterday, in fact, and I think it's pretty cool. So it's a little history here. So you had the, the MRE, Meals Ready to Eat. And its big uh, innovation were that they, they have a long shelf life of like uh, at least three years. And they're in this protective, heavy sort of plastic bag that is. Yeah, you need a chainsaw to get through. That can withstand um, rough handling a little better, uh, extreme temperatures, and, and so on. Uh, and that was an innovation of, I think, the mid 80s. I don't think it really started rolling out to the troops to like late 80s and then, you know, and then full on to. I, I know when when I joined the army in ninety, it was full on. So, and you my, were, uh, so my you, basic training platoon was one of the first ones to get MREs. Yeah, you had said that, that was right. Late, uh, yeah, August, September, eighty four. So a lot of people refer to its predecessor as Sea Rats or Sea Rations, and Sea meaning can, um, yep. and um, that's true. That was Vietnam era, which came after the World War II K rations. But but actually, really, just before you and I were in, they were actually called MCIs or meal combat individual, which looked a lot like sea rats. And a lot of people still call them that. So I actually bought one <laughs> and, okay. you, and you can see reviews of these things too. People opening them. They don't eat them usually cause they're too old, but I bought an entire, um, a fully, you know, it's in a little box and, uh, and it even, it's even one of the older ones. So it comes with cigarettes and it's a, it's accessories pack. Cause then they oh, yeah, they, you won't have that anymore. Yeah, they stopped including cigarettes, I think, like, you know, after the Vietnam War. In any case, enough of that. It's sort of a fun hobby. If you have any interest in this sort of stuff, just look. It's all over YouTube. Just do MRE on YouTube, and you can find a number of people. Uh, and it's it's more fascinating than you might have thought. Yeah, I was like, I'm like wondering, do I want to revisit that in my life? Or, or, or am I going to be sad that it all got better since the time that I was eating them? Uh, Actually, the, American, the ones. American ones are, are about the same, really. I think they, they got better a little bit, but not by much. It, I think so, they finally abolished the, the uh, dried pork patty and dried beef patty. I think that, so. And beans and franks. Or they call them the is it either I the never four had or five that. fingers of death. <laughs> I never had that. I think they got... I thought that must have come after I was in, um, but I don't remember. There was only like uh, ten or twelve menu yeah. items at first. Right, I think there still are. They always swap them out between the twelve. Well, and then there's exceptions like a vegetarian and uh, I guess kosher and hal- halal or whatever. Halal, halal yeah, whatever. Um, anyway, it's it's fun. It's cool. Check that out. Oh, as I mentioned, yeah, do a search on YouTube for it's either four or five fingers of death MRE and. Uh, and and it's like one of the older ones with uh, beans and franks and stuff is funny. Could so they be any worse than the pickled sausages I like to eat from time to time. So tell us about um, – so you, v, VCF East is coming up first, and you're going to that, and you're going to exhibit. So so tell us – and links in the show notes to it. So tell us about it and what you're going to be doing and all. 
Well, in VCF East, uh, they're, they're actually doing something different this year. Uh, they're having, and I'm trying to find that part of it here. Um, and it's the end of this month, March 31st, uh, yes. Friday through April 2nd, Sunday, by the way. They are doing uh, team exhibits now. To oh, yeah, I saw that. Honor, um, you know, 40th anniversary of computer launches. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a team of, uh, for Apple, there's going to be a team of, for Commodore, and a team for... Um, uh, TRS 80s, yeah, and and they're going to name them the Apple Dapple dudes for the Apple team, the Commodoreans for the Commodore team, which uh, Todd George is going to be on that. He's the team captain, oh. and uh, the team captain of the Apple Dapple dudes uh, is Tony <laughs> Bogan, um, and for the TRS people, they're called the Transistors. Somewhere in, in there, the T R and S are capitalized, um, and I can't pronounce cool. his name, uh, Dean. Nona Nicola is the team captain, and I'm anxious to see those exhibits and how they what they do. I, I you know it, it's going to be a one-upsmanship of some sort. Um, that is a cool. That's a neat idea. So it is fun. And I was going to have a a, a presentation on Friday for uh, what I was doing with that. Uh, well, being able to. Um, do assembly language program and, and run your application without having to do a whole lot of weird rebooting and saving out and stuff. Um, I, I still didn't, I still didn't bring out the details yet, but, uh, the, the exhibits were overbooked on Friday. Um, so I, I wasn't in the list and then, uh, I made my plans for being there Saturday and Sunday. I have a regular table that I'm going to demonstrate this stuff. I just not going to have like a, a classroom type demonstration. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to be showing off this process, which is pretty interesting, and I don't know if anybody else ever done it before, but hey, uh, until the show, I'm going to kind of keep a little muted about it. Uh, I'll explain it in detail after the show, uh, but you know, come to the show if you want to see it in person. And so just to mention everybody, um, so again, this is 2017, obviously, so it's the 40th anniversary of 1977, where the three, what are considered the first mainstream consumer uh, machines all came out that year. So the Commodore PET, the Apple II, not Plus or E or anything, and then the uh, TRS-80 Model 1. So both shows are kind of celebrating those three machines, because these are really the first three uh out-of-the-box consumer computers that where normal people could go buy them and then take them home, you know, technically take them out of the box, set them up, and then do something, you know, with them right out of the box. Yep. So that's Vintage Computer Festival East, which is Friday, March 31st through Sunday, April 2nd, and that's in Wall Township, New Jersey, and there's links in the show notes, uh, of course, to find out more about that. And uh, did you have something else to say about it? No, I was just going through the list of the exhibits. They've added a few since I last seen it. So there's a lot of other exhibits going on. If you want to see oh, name uh, a few. Microsoft Xenix on the Apple Lisa, that's supposed to be there. Microvax and PDP 11. Okay, I see it now. Yeah. Um, let's see. Jason Scott's going to be there about the Internet Archive. So he's- You'll see a Silicon Graphics Indie. You'll see some of the graphics workstations that were uh, very popular in the mid-80s and stuff mm-hmm. you know, for 3D graphics, mechanical computing. Um, a, a Selby 8B reproduction will be there. Wow. Oh, and our friend Adam Rosen. Did you, already, you didn't say that, right? With the Vintage Mac Museum. He'll be there. Yeah. Now, Oscar Vermeulen, we've talked about yeah. him and him before. He was going to be there, but he had some other commitments that, yep. you know, he's not going to be there 
which you know would be nice to have seen him. But you know, I know he has other commitments, and plus he has that long flight. <laughs> I actually, um, with, so I, I actually, some, yeah, I exchanged some email with him, and he he said that he's not going to be able to make East. He's still trying to make Southeast, which is one month later. So hopefully he'll be at our show, and um, with his uh, Pi DP eleven to show off, and possibly uh, sell me the one that he brings, like he did the eight. <laughs> <laughs> Last time. <Yeah. laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, just have your money ready, and also though there there will be at the VCFE's Battle Chess Tournament of Micros, 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 Micros. I guess they're going to compete between the different micros on the Battle Chess games. Uh, it's a, it's a great show, that? I have to say. It's, it's, a, it's not like two chess games that you can play against each other. Like if they pit Sargon against Sargon on two different systems, you can't do that in Battle Chess because there's some user interaction required for the battle part. Um, but I guess you're just going to show off battle chess and the way it uh, was available on all the different machines. So again, that is East. And I know that uh, Evan Koblitz, the president and um, founder and so on of the show, uh, the main head guy that they, uh, they closed all the registration. They're full up. So it's a full up exhibition shows and speakers and oh yeah, who are their uh, who are the special speakers this year there? Do you see that? Has that been announced? Um, let's see. Go back to that page. I was still looking through. Uh, keynotes. Yeah. Um, where, where is it? Tom Pereira, PhD, uh, the Enigma Machine. Um, I think it's Bjorn Stroudstrup. Um, who did work with C++ and Bill Dengen, 40th anniversary of appliance computers. Um, and he's also, I think, yeah, he's one of the co-founders of the group. And he's, I think he's vice president maybe of VC fed or, you know, computer vintage computer federation, or he's on the board or, you know, he's long time involvement. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. Who else? Talking collector. So on. It looks like well, that's it. we'll have the link in the show notes. So yeah, um, so keep your eye on that. that. We can't scroll through at the same time. We're trying to talk, <laughs> and um, it's slightly less than a month away. So prepare now if you'd like to go. All right. So yep, it's, it's getting down there. Get your rooms too. They're they're filling up quick. So um, so moving on. Then approximately one month. So approximately two months from today starting and then approximately one month later than east is the vintage computer festival southeast this is the fifth show so here in the uh greater atlanta area it's actually in roswell georgia at the former comp usa um which is about approximately uh 20 miles due north of you know like downtown atlanta so it's in the upper suburbs you, you might say out, outside the perimeter it's called which is the the, the highway that runs around you know, Atlanta 285. So in any case, that's Saturday, April 29th through Sunday, April 30th. So two days at the former CompUSA. They have announced um, Andy Hertzfeld, who is one of the uh, original Mac team, is going to be a speaker this year. And so that's very exciting. And Don French, who is a software pioneer. You've, you've heard of Don French. Didn't he do a lot with the TRS-80, right? Uh, yes, think. it does sound familiar. I'm still going through this page here that I hate to get it wrong. To. So let's look it up. Yeah, so he's involved in the uh, TR Sadie. I think he helped develop it. He began designing it. So there's a uh, the Wikipedia article. I guess he had something to do with designing it. <laughs> now I just got to find one out. Of our right? last, it's like, yeah, come on. Last shows we had to go back and look at look at our last shows. 
Okay, so after buyer Don French purchased the Mitz-Altier kit computer, he began designing his own and showed it to Vice President of Manufacturing John Roach. Okay, so then, as you say, the rest is history. So he's going to talk about uh, creating the first uh, TR City Model 1. So that is great. So we have somebody from Apple who was also, uh, Andy Hertzfeld was also very much involved in the Apple II. I don't, I don't think, like, day one involvement, but, you know, he can share a lot of that history. And then, and then you got Don French about the TRS-80. So, so excellent. So you got two main speakers there. Uh, let's look at some exhibits. I've actually decided I wasn't going to, but I'm going to exhibit. Uh, and actually, Evan Koplitz from, uh, you know, from VCF East, he's going yeah, to be there. So you have uh, someone exhibiting about OpenVMS and then Evan uh, and then Earl Baugh, who's um, on the part of the officers of the, the group here. So he's doing something about the Holy Trinity. He calls it 40th anniversary computers. Um, that's And then uh, Jim Steiner, who every year has displayed his clickety-clack tic-tac-toe computer made of mechanical parts that he did in high school in 1961. That's always a highlight. And so that's that's there again. They haven't put my... Um, my listing up yet and possibly some others. So, um, my, so my exhibit is going to be about reproduction computers. And uh, so I'm going okay. to have my, yes. my two Altair reproductions, my MSI reproductions, my uh, SWTPC 6800 reproduction, um, and possibly a couple of others. Oh, my, my PIDP8. And, uh, and then just talk, show those off, talk a little bit about the difference between um, what I, I would call workalikes and um, lookalikes you know, and, and absolute reproductions and such. Um, and the low, yeah, the level of reproduction is, yeah. it, you know, uh, bit compatible or, you know, or does it just do look like it, it would right. be doing the same thing. So, uh, so there you go. And that's important stuff because, you know, it's very hard to find the original hardware. And there's one thing about having that old familiar look to something mm-hmm. and even better if it can, work like it did before even though it's using newer parts right okay so so there you go there's the vcfs um then there's also i know the west shows in august and then if it hasn't changed i guess midwest is in september i think usually so that's in the chicago area and just another note here for these kind of festivals um there's apparently some golden tickets being given out again this year for kansas fest Really? Um, yeah, five five golden tickets. I th- I think uh, there there's competition right now, but the rules are you need to yeah. <laughs> uh, rules are you have you have you can't have attended before. And, oh, that and cuts me you're off. required to uh, uh, make your way there. No so, free ride for you either. Yeah, no, not for me. Uh, well, that's really nice to, of uh, of someone, and yep. that is in July, uh, Kansas Fest. Yes, a very hot period of time <laughs> in Kansas City. It's it, it gets warm there, but hey, the barracks or not barracks, uh, the dorms are yeah. air conditioned. Mm-hmm. But you do have to walk in the heat or the rain if it's raining to get to lunch or get to your meals. But it's still it's still a great thing. Um, was it is it it's KansasFest.org? Is that the website? Um, Probably. Or you just do a search yeah. for Kansas Fest and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll come up. Um, do a search for Kansas Fest, and if you're interested in going, you can get yourself there and haven't been there before. You might want to look at that golden ticket opportunity. You'll need to take the week off. Yeah, so kansasfest.org. All right, so we're going to move along. Um, so just to tell everyone again uh, that uh, 
This podcast is all about where we take an informal look at personal computing history through the lens of eBay auctions, and that makes it sort of like Antiques Roadshow, but all about antique personal computers. So again, on today's show, we are looking at the smartphone after the iPhone that changed everything, which is the Android phone. It, as well as the iPhone, define all smartphones to this day, as well as the third tier. And when we get to some of my auctions, you'll see that Android transcended the phone Mm -hmm. to some degree. Yep. Um, So go ahead and take it away, uh, the first part of some of the Wikipedia article here. Android, if you don't already know it, is a mobile operating system developed by Google based on the Linux kernel and designed primarily for touchscreen mobile devices such as smartphones and tablets. Android's user interface is mainly based on direct manipulation using touch gestures that loosely correspond to real-world actions such as swiping, tapping, pinching, uh, to manipulate on-screen <laughs> objects along with a virtual keyboard for text input. <laughs> yeah, this is from Wikipedia. So, uh, Android Incorporated was founded in Palo Alto, California in October 2003. So you can see that's far earlier than even the iPhone and, uh, and then when the first Android phones came out. By Andy Rubin, co-founder of Danger. And Danger is a company that made the... Um, ah, now I'm going blank. What's the T-Mobile... Uh, the ones we covered... Two where you, you like slide up and it pops open the screen. Uh, Sidekick. Sidekick. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then Rich Miner, co founder of Wildfire Communications, and Nick Sears, once VP at T Mobile. Oh, one more. And Chris White, who headed up design and interface development at Web TV. So they were out to develop smarter mobile devices that are more aware of its owner's location and preferences, uh, quote unquote. In other words, it wants to track you and know everything you're doing. In July 2005, Google acquired Android. Android Incorporated for at least $50 million. And there's a lot more information to be found about this history. Of course, we'll put a link in the show notes to the Wikipedia article. Um, now, I also put a, found a link, and put there's a link to another interesting article. If you haven't looked at that yet, uh, Jeff, it's called A Look Back yes, at Sooner. I did look at that. That's pretty neat. I wasn't aware that that existed. but I, was, I wasn't either. And then I kind it's, of. It's amazing how much, uh, I think some of the comments on that page, it's like one of them. The, either the Sooner or the BlackBerry looks so much like the other. Yeah. And um, and so if you look at this, so basically it's an article at uh, AndroidCentral.com, and it talks about what's re- kind of officially really the first Android phone, but it wasn't actually sold. And uh, and it looks more like a, sort of a the later BlackBerry that had the, the button scroll in the middle front under the screen versus the wheel on the side. And uh, but So just check it out. It's very interesting. Uh, of course, yeah, it the, looks the, like those BlackBerry 9600 series phones mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, and then, of course, I think what happened is fairly obvious. The iPhone came out in 07, changed everything, and it certainly made uh, Google you know, go back to the drawing board a little bit about what their phone should look like, which obviously it needed to look more like an iPhone and, in the sense of being a full touch screen, you know, with no stylus or any of that kind of stuff. So that's interesting. And then, um, oh, and then what I thought we would do, Jeff, is um, mm-hmm. uh, pause the recording and we take both take a look at this YouTube video. And then I'll, I'm going to put the audio in the podcast for everyone to listen to. But of course, you may want to, it's just a commercial uh, that I remember very, very much. And everyone, uh, you may want to just go look at it. It's like 30 seconds. So let's, let's watch this commercial and then come back and talk about it. Okay. Well, if you want to sing out, sing out. And if you want to be free, be free Cause there's a million things to be You know that there are 
And if you want to be me, be me. And if you want to be you, be you. T-Mobile presents the first phone that becomes 100% you. The new MyTouch 3G with Google. Only from T-Mobile. So that was a commercial for T-Mobile's MyTouch 3G from around, uh, it says September 09 here. So that sounds about right. It's crazy that uh, it's not that long ago, but then again, it seems like forever ago. Basically, this phone is the second generation Android phone. Um, but what do you think about that? You remember those commercials? I, I do remember it now. Um, I don't don't remember seeing it very often, but uh, I think the point they were getting across with it, uh, in in hindsight here, is the fact that you know the competition really didn't let you do much for personalization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. This does. That was so, a selling point uh, right yes, off the bat for them. You can be you with this one. As tiny as the phone was, um, it looked like a Palm Pre. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that you can do with but of course, Android. That's to three and a half inch screen, it. so that's the same size as the iPhone at the time. <laughs> oh, was it? I, yeah. I guess it's the shape of it that makes the, the device that makes it a little different. Yeah. While they have the extended keys and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Android's always been one where you can um, the the interface can be made to look different. In fact, a lot of vendors did that samsung had their own interface htc had their own interface you know mm-hmm. motorola had their own they, they would design the front screen um and, and the the interface the way they thought people would want it and of course more manufacturers started making android phones but um initially it was just the first one was htc this is i think the first three or so were only htc making them if I remember correctly. So this, so this is an HTC. And then third generation is an HTC, which I actually had. was My first one was this, the um, HTC Hero, which may have had another um, developmental name or whatever. This phone was actually called the HTC Dream. was the actual okay. like, product name of it. Anyway, so everyone check that out. I, I, I really uh, This commercial introduced me to that song. Um, I'm trying to remember who it's by. Um, I'm not going to try to look it up real quick, but um, I, I like that song in any case. So I liked the commercial. Yeah, it doesn't say it in the... Uh... I'll, I'll look it up while we're chatting here and there and then okay. tell everybody. So um, so basically with that, we'll move into the auction coverage. So um, you first. Okay. I sort of jumped ahead on something that you had. Oh, because th- I think it was first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I find this? No, this is a different one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so you found the, an original G1. Yes, the uh, T-Mobile G1 HTC Dream. Um, clean ESN and working. Yeah, I wonder what you can do with it. Um, and this one has, this had a rollerball, didn't it, for its mm-hmm. cursor control. Yep. I wonder how well that works. And touchscreen. I mean, and then, uh, and then of course, you had the keyboard push out. Yep. That's right. It turned sideways and then had the keyboard. Um, this one sold for twenty five bucks. You know, it's a nice piece of history. If you wanted one, it's a it's white case. Um, not much to say about it other than the fact that it's it, it only had two hundred fifty six megabyte of storage. Yeah, and you know, it was three G network. I mean, I guess you could still use it today. I don't know how much you'll get out of it because the operating system probably does not update very far if it updates at all. 
without downloading a file and you know side loading it. Um, I wonder if these older ones still had that um, special boot screen that you can install from a zip file or you know otherwise root it. But yeah, the, the guy says it's uh, uh, fully functional, so yeah, you can probably use it as uh, if if you want to write software for Android one point whatever or maybe two point something. You can certainly test it on this. Yeah, and so I was wrong about that My Touch order. So yeah, this very first Android phone, the G1, is the Dream. So that's the HTC Dream, and I'm looking. And at it has this. a slight bend in the back too. I didn't, hadn't noticed that. Uh, oh, the little the bottom part. Yeah, the bottom part kind of bends out. And yeah, then that becomes the side part when you have the screen lifted up for the keyboard. And there's and so it much- does have a removable battery. Mm-hmm, Always yeah. a good thing about them. And there's a lot more we could, if we, you know, you can look into the history of all this of the phones themselves. Also, just to mention that one of the things Google developed, it's in this article for the HTC Dream, which I'll put in the show notes, is the Open Handset Alliance. So that was a big part of, um, you know, Google's yes, co- competing with together. Apple. So they got all the vendors on board, all the software developers they can on board, along with their um, intellectual property mm-hmm. uh, to be able to develop these devices and 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 then have new devices come out with new versions of the operating system mm-hmm. all working symbiotically. Which was a contrast, you know, the opposite of, of course, their primary competition, Apple, you know, with the quote-unquote walled garden where they yep. completely control everything. I mean, that works for them, but... Uh, yeah. Having Very the open cool. source stuff. So uh, someone picked this open design. Nice, nice example up for 25 bucks. So not bad. Um, okay, so let me get back to you. All right, so my first one. Okay, so I also found an HTC Google One a Dream, and it says Rogers. I guess maybe that was a carrier. Yes. Uh, black. Oh, yes, this is out of Canada. This one is still for sale. Couldn't find a lot of them for sale. Um, this one is for $41 US. Buy it now, or you can make an offer. And then about $21 shipping, at least to me, from Canada. Um, but it seems to be a nice example. It's a black one. It functions. Um you know, what more could you ask other than if you want it all nicely boxed up with all the accessories like I have. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which I'm feeling pretty good about that nowadays because I have an original iPhone and the original G1 all in its original packaging and everything. So that's obviously getting pretty hard to find. But you know they're out there. And if you just yes. watch. And they're not that expensive. So this is a good, the phone in good working condition, clear ESN, but no SIM charger come with. Um you know what? I think it takes the standard or can or do you have to have the charger? Well, they have it on, so anyway. Yeah. You know, if I had a few bucks I wanted to spend and I don't know, I'm I'm kind of starting to clear out some of the stuff that I have collected um just because I want the space. Uh-huh. Um you know, something like this would be neat to have. Well, I mean, anybody who wants to collect Android series phones, we found, you know, that it can be done rather cheaply, right? Um, because there's so many of them out there. You know, people, are, if they aren't tossing them, um, you know, somebody can at least collect it, put it into a museum. It makes a nice prop for whatever. If you want to do a period movie, you know, 
you know, because everybody's making their own home movies now or they're making their own, you know, movie productions. That's what YouTube's good for. Uh, you know, they can buy this stuff real cheap and have their props and they can say, well, this this takes place in, you know, in the late 2000, for, first decade of 2000s and stuff. Um, Now's a good time it, to start collecting them. Well, yeah. they are, you can reasonably still get them and they're cheap. Yeah, even like with the old 8-bit stuff, there was a, there was a time where just people would give them away. Yeah. Uh, and then that came back up again. I guess that's how it is with any antique type stuff. Uh, although it, it's almost like the time frame of antique is compressed with modern electronics. Yep. You know, it drops it drops in value real quick and then becomes antique well before the general rule of thumb of twenty five years. Well, I used to always uh, call them the the youngest antiques around. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to do it. Absolutely. Because really, uh, typically, antique is considered a generation, so t- at least 25 years before it's an antique. But I think in c- technology, it's 10 years. It's just a good sort of a generic you know, number to throw out. Because, yeah, again, 10 years. We're just now at 10 years on the iPhone. Everybody's in a hurry. That's what it is. So take it away with your um, – and I'm confused about this next one. Is it – is this actually the first? Because I also found a Nexus phone. Is this one actually the first? This is a Nexus tablet, I believe. This is a Nexus 7 tablet. Oh. Oh, um, okay. Not a phone. I gotcha. No. I, I, I'm trying to pick yeah. um, Android-based uh, devices. No, you're right. That's cool. So I, I think I, this I, is the first generation Nexus 7 tablet. One of the first ones that came out. I think Asus made it. Huh. Yeah, Asus made it. Um, it runs Android 4.1. Uh, Jelly, Jelly Bean. Bean. I remember a big deal about that. And although Android 4.1 isn't the first tablet Android version, Android 3 was actually designed for uh, tablet use um, and some of the features. And, and what we'll find out later for other Android-based devices. But version 3 really didn't stick around for much. Even on phones, it went from 2.4 to 4.0. So three actually had a branch, and I know that from some experience. Um, so this tablet starting out at 4.1, it may have been upgraded to 4.1. I'm wondering if it came with three. I'd have to do some research to find that out, but that's neither here nor there. It's an Android tablet, one of the first ones out there. So you have the power of your Android phone with Wi-Fi. Uh, you just can't make direct phone calls, uh, but then you have the operating system, so your apps will be useful. Uh, between the two and you just have the bigger screen and stuff and this is then where things like e-readers started becoming popular right and then you can watch video in the small you know eight inch form factor this had eight gig of ram which was you know low end at the time uh i think there were 16 gig versions and, and some 32 gig versions seven inch screen this one sold for 22 and a half. Uh, once again, if you want like a first generation something in the android market you're probably going to pay a little just a little bit for it. Uh, there's more like this. I think I picked an average price on this one since I, I generally look at the um, um, the completed auctions. So this is a nice specimen here. Yeah. And again, all, all pretty cheap, a lot of this stuff. You can pick them up. So what I found next was um, the, the T-Mobile HTC MyTouch, like in the commercial, 3G. This is a white cell phone. This one includes a bag, has a, a the little book with it, earbuds. You know, so it's like a little bundle. It's uh, $38.99, buy it now, or you can make an offer. It's in Florida, so it's uh, pretty cheap shipping to me. But 
$6.39, so it looks like the person's got very uh, you know, realistic, reasonable shipping. It shouldn't be very much more anywhere, at least in the continental United States. But so there you go, 40 bucks, you know, or less, you can pick up one of these guys. And um, going back to the, uh, the, the Android HTC Dream article, it actually tells you what the name, like, links off to its successor. So, so the, um, the name of this phone was actually, now I just lost it, was uh, the Magic. So it was called the HTC Magic, and then that was replaced by a similar-looking phone, but the next generation was the Hero, which was actually my first Android phone from, from um, Sprint. So, um, so the HTC Touch was so, yeah, unveiled in February, so February 2009, so eight years ago. Still a neat-looking device. Yeah, and the, now this is the second generation, so the, the biggest thing that they got rid of was the slide-out keyboard. So this is when they ditched that. No more. No I wonder more. how many people complained about that. Some people did. Uh, I remember hearing about it. Yeah. Well, it's a transition, and nobody likes a change. No. Nope. Um, but I think they they felt, you know, uh, iPhone had pretty much proven that you know there's more pros than cons for having an on-screen keyboard. You know, so they so they also ditched it. Ditched the. Oh, what version of Android this ship with? This shipped with I think two. I think we're roughly oh 2.2 yep oh they upgraded uh, it to that okay yeah so obviously had uh froyo 2. froyo that was supposed to be a dessert okay <laughs> all right what'd you find next what i found is is uh a device that i actually own a device very similar to this. I couldn't find the exact one I have. I bought mine from Dell, and I think it was an exclusive version for Dell. Uh But it was a Sony-branded television, and it had uh, Android TV built into it. So it was basically a 32-inch Android tablet without a touchscreen. Really? It it used a remote control that had... uh, It was a huge remote control that had two D-pads... Uh, a thumb pad that was, you know, touch sensitive. It worked like a uh, one of those touch pads, and then a full keyboard. Um, and I couldn't find that on eBay. But basically, it's it's an Android television. Wow. Um, now this one doesn't explain. You so know, this might pretty be, cool. So it was like a more early sort of uh, Apple TV. Well, hang on, built into here. the TV sort of thing. You know what? I may have just put the wrong link here. <laughs> I may have to replace this. Okay. Uh, or just get a picture of mine. Um, hey, you know, this is being sold by Gold Silver Pond in Las Vegas. Is that yeah. the, is that the I think so. Pond Stars? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Now, um, th- okay, so this is just a representative picture. Let's put it that way. The real thing. Sony did have the um, the Android TV built into some of their devices and basically it was an android 3.0 which i think mine's updated to 3.1 um system you can download apps you know you, you can use the play store download apps that will do all that stuff it just won't have a touch screen uh so you you would use this remote control which has the touch pad on it uh, but yes sony did put android into some of their televisions and yeah i think i did copy the wrong one down here um but yeah, it was 32 inch TV, 720p. You know, nothing fancy as far as resolution, but it's cool that you can run those apps. You know, I have some yeah. camera stuff um, around my house that there's an app for that that I can monitor. You know, security cameras, and I was able to just install that same app 
onto this television and monitors my security cameras from the TV. So it was an Android, but it was Android 3 point something. And then at the time, I learned that Android 3 was really dedicated to tablets and uh, other devices that don't necessarily have a touchscreen. And then they just kind of took a big jump to 4, and this yeah. TV could never upgrade to 4. It just didn't have the hardware for it. But, and this is another place where Android was put to use. Apple does their TV by giving you a box that you hook up to a regular TV. This, the Sonya, this, yeah, the Sony, I'm saying Sonya, Sony Bravia uh, series, or some of the other Sony TVs had Android built into the TV. Now, you know, the, um, the last time I was in Best Buy or Co- um, Costco and I paid attention to TVs, sort of walked through and looked around, you know, it seems to me that the large majority of TVs are smart TVs these days. Not all of them, but it's definitely more than not anymore. So do you think our, our most modern smart TVs, um, you know, they all, so basically smart TVs include, um, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime Video and um, a bunch of other channels, if you are. Yeah, so what's the underlying operating Yeah, do you system? think it's Android underneath there? In most I don't know of if it's cases? Android more than it's, you know, it could be Linux. Yeah. Uh, you'd have to actually probably go to their about pages and or see some what other they embedded have. little they're, thing. They're going to have to post the, uh, um, you know, the all the, uh, the the open source stuff. They they have to indicate that it has open source components in it if it's if they're using it. That's interesting. Uh, well, the license. go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. I was just wanted wanted to say that. Uh, I think it might just be a, a version of Linux, but you know, without digging deep, um, a lot of those smart TVs they'll they, they could roll their own um, to make things work. But then somebody's going to have to develop the apps like Netflix and stuff for it. So it'd be best yeah. if they worked with a, a core standard. I would. That's what I'm saying. I would think at this point there must be a uh, the different manufacturers have their relationship with a company providing that that you know. That feature they just stick in now. And Samsung TVs, they got their own thing going, but I, I wouldn't doubt if it's Linux based. Hmm. All right. Well, next up is mine, and um, so I remember a bunch of hype around this phone. So this is a uh, Nexus One Black unlocked smartphone, excellent condition. It's ninety nine dollars. Buy it now. What's free shipping? Um, the thing about it is, this is one of the cheaper ones I found. That these things still get some like over a hundred dollars and stuff I, you know what does it run it doesn't give you a lot of information but i mean i don't know are they but do you remember this so this is like um, yes i do remember somebody at work showing me this one time um the nexus was sort of uh i guess first time not made by htc if i remember correctly i'm trying to look see who makes this but google oh it is made by htc this one but it was like some type of like this. Here's this is now the premier Google phone, you know, Android phone, whenever it came out. So uh, anyway, I'm not going to look it up and try. I just remember this being sort of a big deal. The Nexus, which is still around, and of course you found the tablet. So kind of there. What's the word I'm looking for, Jeff? Where it's like the the premier is not the right word. The you know, like here's the best one. This is our flagship. There you go. Yep, exact word I was looking for. I think this this became Google's flagship Android phone. Am I right? Yes, I. It was a very popular name. Now I had been on board with uh, Samsung myself, so I kind of lose track of all the other ones out there. Yeah. I did have an HTC Evo 3D for a little while. Loved that phone. 
but I just wanted to upgrade. Um, but I yeah, I'm, I know people who stayed on the Nexus line, and they love theirs. I just always like the Samsung. Mm-hmm. I think from a uh, a uh, market standpoint, Samsung is the de facto flagship, obviously. So they're the best-selling Android phone. I think you can say that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. All right. So what's your what's your next one? My next one, which is my random, and once again another place that Android is being used, although not as popularly. It's out there. Oh yeah, um, look at that. It's a it's a dual DIN for those people who understand what that means for vehicle radio installations. It's it's twice as high as a standard. Remember the old standard radios that weren't like seamlessly integrated into the car. They had a, a slot that you put a radio in. This is dual DIN. It's twice as high. There some cars have that still, but this is a <clears throat> well, it's a Android based um, car stereo with DVD player full screen it even has a backup camera that works it just basically puts android into your car you know kind of well, like it's, uh, you it's have, like creating your own media you know it's your own little like if you have a car yes. that doesn't have this or you want to upgrade it it gives you that full screen for your backup camera for your media and everything sort of a thing yep um it, well, in like cars these days Navigation. have operating systems built into it you know ford has ford sync Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's actually uh, Microsoft-based. Right. Well, this is an open-source version of it. You know, if you have an older car with a dulled-in um, slot, you can put one of these in there. It has Wi-Fi. That means all you need to do is buy one of those little um, mobile hotspots for yourself, and then you, your car can be fully connected to the Internet. But it runs Android. So whatever you can do with your Android tablet right. or – I don't think this is a phone portion built into it, so think it more like a tablet um, – you can do this in your car. So your media players and all that stuff, using an interface you're familiar with if you're an Android person. You won't see you know, Apple in a car like this. You won't see the iOS. Oop, you dropped out. So hold on if you can hear me. So I can't hear you. Are you there? All right, I'm just waiting to hear you. So, the, oh, did you you dropped out? You oh, dropped out I? for like the last twenty seconds. Yep. Oh, you didn't get the word where I said highly cu- customizable. <laughs> no, so just try to think of like what you said in the last twenty seconds. And- okay. So the, there isn't much of a, a market out there for these, but the, these devices are available. I mean, just under $200 in here, you know, you have an Android built into your car if your car can take a dulled-in yeah. uh, device. And, and it's pretty nice. I don't know if it picks up radio, though. Well, it does say car radio, but I don't know if they just say it because that's a generalized term, like, you know, Kleenex is for tissue. Yeah. But, you know, it has navigation and stuff, so... Um, I never looked into these myself because my car has built-in media stuff, but I think it's a neat idea, and the price is pretty good. You know, what, mm-hmm. about 200 bucks delivered? Yeah, and I think I mean, I mean, think any of the, the car people who do all the customizations on their cars, especially older ones where it wouldn't have come with any of this, that, yeah, people are buying it up to, to put in those. Got an A9 processor? I thought that was this Apple. Maybe it's a different type of one. Well... These are probably made in China and sourced, so they, oh, yeah. they find whatever they can. It's everywhere. Yep, and it's cheap. 
All right. So for the last auction today, so my um, random one, and I chose. So it, this wouldn't be a good Android show without covering the Samsung Galaxy S series. So the, here is a Samsung Galaxy S first generation phone from AT and T, and um, it's forty four ninety nine. Buy it now. Um, you know, inexpensive shipping. Six six fifty six to me from Indiana, but this one is good because it came with the, at least the box, and it seems to be in generally clean shape. So this was uh, did Samsung make an Android phone before this? They probably did, right? Uh, but this sort of set the new standard, and then of course they're still making this series. Yeah, now. they had a slider phone. I, I have one of those. It turns sideways. You slide it open, and it has the keyboard. I still have one of those. And then you can look at this phone. You can see it's rectangular. So they had not adop- adopted the uh, sort of the shape that it kept for a number of uh, iterations. And then finally, yeah, they changed it again with sort of the newer ones. But I think like the, the Galaxy S3, 4, and 5 maybe all look more like, more ovalish looking. Yep. So, um, oh, and also where they brought in the big like oval button at the bottom. So this one doesn't have that. Nope. Yeah, the, the on-screen, the soft soft buttons. Yeah. This really is is more well. It's it's more like its other and other type of Android phones at the time. But then with the the uh, later Galaxy S series, they sort of started having their own style, which they still carry through to today. Yeah, they kind of just the 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 thin rectangle. <laughs> yeah, nothing too exciting, but. Again, you can pick these guys up for, you know, I'm sure you could find it cheaper than this if you just watched more carefully. So so, so we'll talk about that. What do we think values are is uh, basically, I'm going to say any of these from the, well, it, except for the very first G1 phone and maybe um, the, obviously that first Nexus. I guess the, the first Google G1 phone, it sort of stands out as significant and the Nexus seems to stand out a little bit more as, as significant. Those you might pay a little bit more for, but otherwise it looks like 40 bucks is pretty much the, you can find a good one in good shape that works, you know, for about 40 bucks. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. I mean, it, once again, if you're collecting this stuff, I see, I think that's a little high, but I guess it does. It's more useful. I, I'm not sure short of, you know, actually having like the galaxy S myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, have you saved all your old phones? I tried to save as many as I could. They get handed down throughout the, the household. Yeah. And then when they finally get through everybody, they're worthless Yeah. to some degree. Yep. Same with us. So did you happen to find any, is there any Facebook activity since last show? There is, and I, I accidentally closed that one. Give me. Yeah, no problem. Oh, and you're kind of okay. silencing a little bit there, but am I still? I wonder bit. if my son's playing his game. We basically have a lot of likes. That's about it. Um, Yay! Wait, which is good. Oh wait, let me look at the comments list here. We need we need likes. Yeah, the last comment we had was uh, from February 7th. That's from a previous episode. Oh, we did get something. Did that come through as Twitter or come through as an email? Um, somebody 
said that they tried to send a um, an email to us with an audio attachment. Yeah. And that's the one thing I forgot to look up real quick. Oh, and it didn't uh, work? It didn't work. For some reason, it bounced back, and I can't figure out why. Um, and they provided a link. Where did they put that link? I'll have to look up that real quick while you go through the Twitter stuff. Let me see what I can do with that. Well, so over on Twitter, um, got a couple of comments. Let's see. Uh, there's a few things that were shared with like their first smartphones. Like I, um, Jim Fullerton said he still has his. It's a Moto Droid and uh, shared a picture. You can check that out. Um, Lim Thai Chin, hope I'm saying that right, says that he still uses one of his old phones as an Apple II for Apple II emulation. And then um, I guess this is you. Are you? Yeah. With, your, go ahead. I talked about the HTC Evo 3D. Yeah, they just use for a 3D camera. Yeah. Oh. And then finally, Matt London was upset. Is upset that we're finishing up our smartphone coverage without looking at Symbian. So we're sorry about that. Of course, Symbian was huge, and it kind of represents the the pre-iPhone era of smartphones, which was significant, but we were kind of, I guess, mostly jumping over that area. That's that's compatible with 3D TVs these days. So you can copy the media or hook the phone up to these 3D TVs through the USB port, and you can actually watch the videos in 3D on those TVs. So these HTC Evo 3Ds are nice, portable 3D cameras for for That's pretty neat. Yeah, it's now the the two I have now, they each have a problem. One, the display went bad, and the other uh-huh. one, the USB connector broke, and so I'm gonna have to take them apart and put pieces together. Can you pick those up cheaply on eBay? Uh, I I didn't check that because I had other things I wanted to put on eBay. Um, I'll do a quick search. HTC Evo 3D. Yes, that would. Uh, let's see, I'll look at buy it now. And let's do uh, lowest first. Broken. No, we don't want that. Parts need repair. Crack screen. No power. Blah, 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 blah. No. Uh, well, here's one. Ten bucks. I'm going to assume it doesn't work. Here's one. Ten dollars. Please read. Bad ESN works. So I'm moving up. Thirteen dollars. Bad. Well, bad ESN is not an issue if you're just going to use it as a camera, camera phone. Yeah. yeah. Well, here you go. Here's one for 1047. And it says Might have to look ESN. into that. So it looks like you probably pick them up fairly cheap. You can get one. You're, you know, I'm moving up to the $16 and $20 range. And it uh, looks like you can pick them up. Yeah, lots of them on here. So, yeah, if you just want to get it as a camera, less than 20 bucks. I'll have to look into that. Saves me time for having to to fix things and that's really it no other big big activity so we'll, we'll see what happens after this show because um i'm sort of uh oh, excuse me saturday morning i'm stretching <laughs> sitting in a chair now for an hour but i'm kind of uh unofficially retiring from podcasting after this show yeah you mentioned a little something the last show yeah, it doesn't mean the show has to go away. So, Jeff, no, I know that you no. intend to maybe try to still try to do some of the more detailed shows again. Well, now's now, yeah, now's the time to to look back at some of the stuff that was that has been done in detail, as as you mentioned, or 
to maybe just branch off here and there and do um, go back to some of the detailed ones and and focus on a specific mm. and then detail that specific. You know, do some in depth research and and provide more information. And at the same time, I get to learn something new. But um, I certainly, you know, I hope to do some like guest shots maybe once in a while on different podcasts. No one's okay. currently inviting and inviting me, but that, that'd be nice. But otherwise, so this would be the sort of the end of the of the show for now. But uh, maybe, yeah, well, maybe people we've, volunteer. We've covered the the tears. I mean, there there had to have been an end to it at some time. Yeah, but there's still ones we didn't cover, and of course, originally we had talked about covering game consoles and gaming heads handsets or yeah handhelds rather, um, which. Also, don't really fall underneath the three tiers, but they do fall under the history of personal computing. So they they played a big role. Um, yeah, I think an, an interesting topic too is about how um, in the '90s, desktop PC gaming, you know, it was really the the catalyst behind pushing PC technology for quite a long time. Um, yeah, most of your basic desktop PCs of the '90s were. were just fine for office workers and if it wasn't been for gaming a lot of the different like uh multimedia and uh, graphics especially technology wouldn't have been pushed so hard you know so quickly right and especially when you games. have mass public coming on board for a lot of stuff they, they want 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 so you know technology yeah. will give 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 hey i found that comment that note with that audio okay. and uh it was actually posted to our episode 49 um, I'll read it here. Um, oh, do you have the audio though, or no? The, I have the link to the audio. So, oh, so you try to put the, it in the show? Yeah, that's well. I didn't listen to it yet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I tried finding. I, I had got like a pop up on my phone about this, and then when I went back to look at it, I thought, oh, where was that? Where was it? I couldn't find it. I had to actually dig right now to figure out. I didn't realize it was, it was on such an older episode. It was on episode forty nine, so I'd have to go oh, back. Oh, forty nine. Okay. Yeah. It, it. Well, I'll read the text here. Uh, then, then the link. You and I can listen to it and maybe okay. decide to add it to the uh, add the details, even if we just type in the details. But he said here he'd listened to this episode several months ago, which is about the Scion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and tried to send an audio comment regarding his daily use of a Scion five, but after several attempts, it seems that none of the emails with the audio attachment were making it through. And, and that's true. I did not see them come through. Um, even if it only has a link to Google drive, uh, anyhow, he, he gave us the link, uh, to a small audio comment regarding that episode. It was recorded in October, 2016. Uh, and when did he, February 21st is when he, um, uh, sent this comment and attached it to the end of, that show or yeah, the show notes on the website. Uh, he was wishing you success in your new ventures, school and the new job and can't wait for new episodes with, um, uh, Todd and myself, uh, using the classic form, which he, he's always loved. And he signed it, uh, Joe Pidu, J O P I D O O if I'm pronouncing that right. Okay. And yeah, I do remember I, I, I approved that comment. Um, but yeah, it's just a matter of going back and, uh, finding it. <laughs> Because we have to scroll back a little bit here to the older entries. So, and you think Todd, you, uh, you and Todd, are you going to try to do more? Yes. He's well, Todd had started a new job, and um, he and I are going to be guest speakers on, um, oh, what is it, um, Floppy Days, okay. talking about the Vic Twenty. Since yeah. Todd and I both have 
experiences with the VIC-20. Uh, that's going to happen later this month. Okay. Um, and then, uh, but Todd's been busy. It was kind of hard to snag him for some time because he, he had a job change and stuff like that. So I'm sure right. that's shaking up his world a little bit. Um, where is it? Episode 49. How long? Episode 17. Did I go back too far? So that's about yeah, 10 years. <laughs> 10 years ago, yeah. I mean, 10, 10 episodes ago. So that's roughly two months ago. No, yeah, three months ago, roughly. So there's episode 40. Okay, so one more page. I, I paged back too far. That's what it was. Here we go. And episode 49. Yep, there it is. And yep, there's the two comments. Two comments. Yeah, somebody named Cyber Fritz also commented on this um, that he enjoyed the episode and won the auction for the AT and T EO. We covered that one already. Yeah, I remember so, that. So other comment was that comment was made December twenty eighth. So this comment February twenty first. Yeah, it has the link for Google Drive. So if if it's there, if uh, nobody listened to it, they obviously had access to listen to it. Okay. All right. Well, Jeff, I'm going to wrap it up. I gotta stop. Go eat breakfast. I, I just started playing that. <laughs> oh, you. You want me to play it? Sure, go ahead. Yeah. If it, if it contains personal information, you can always cut it out in the edit. Yeah. I'm just going to turn. It I have the speakers on now. Okay. And David and anyone else listening to this message, first I would like to say thank you for the good show you're putting on. History of Personal Computing has been one of my favorite podcasts for some time now. First of all, let's say that uh, I am recording this message on my Scion Series 5 that I purchased a couple of years ago on eBay when these things were really cheap. And I do believe they're still quite affordable uh, if you are searching enough. Um, well, I do use it for more than recording sound. I do uh, like its spreadsheet, which I'm um, frequently using to do some business uh, projections on purchases and um, quarter results just by entering a few numbers and using formula that I have um, stored on the Scion and simply just putting numbers and looking at the results, very, very useful. Uh, the um, good thing about it too is that there's a lot of, com of way of communicating with another sound or particularly with a PC through the um, serial port or even the infrared. The only drawback is that the other PC needs to be able to run something called a PSI Win uh, for Windows machines, um, which really just works on Windows XP 32-bit and previous versions of Windows. I luckily have another computer which has Windows XP to help me out with this. Uh, one other thing I would like to say is that uh, the Compact Flash um, that you can install is uh, supporting, and particularly for my case, is supporting a 2 GB Compact Flash from an older digital camera I have. Uh, it works very well as long as you save it or format it to FAST16. Uh, the good thing about that is that I can take the Compact Flash and then put it on my newer PC and just transfer the files. Of course, um, everything that is on that the compact flash is using some proprietary um, application and file format, which means you can't just open them, especially this audio. You have to uh, convert it from an ADPCM format uh, that the Scion uses to a WAV a format, which is more uh, standard for uh, PCs. Uh, not to say MP3s, but in this case WAVE. And then uh, to achieve this, you need to run something called REC2WAVE, 
which is an application you can download, and it will uh, decompress and convert it to a WAV format that can be easily listened to on pretty much any PC that can read a WAV file. So that's what I have to say about my Fion Series 5. It is still uh, happily in my hands, and I'm very um, pleased with it. I was not expecting to be using it as much as I'm doing. Continue the show, and can't wait for the next episode. Thank you. Wow. I'm glad you found that. That's that's uh, some of the stories I like to hear. People being able to use the older items, devices, and you know, for modern use. So that's that's pretty nice. And I'm sorry, what was his name again? Uh, Jupito, I Ju- believe, is how it was okay. pronounced. Well, thank you, Jupito. Hopefully, we're saying it right. Let me go back. Yeah, let me go back to the. Uh, no, but that uh, was great. I'm Ju- glad you were able to get it yeah. and play it. That's J O P I D O O. Jupito, thank you. That's the only so name much. I have here. Yes. <laughs> We enjoyed your message. It's nice to finally play one. So, all right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. Breakfast is ready. Okay. <laughs> I can smell it from here. <laughs> can you? Yes. Uh, so, just by the way, my wife, my wife is pushing towards a, have with syrup? A, a healthier breakfast. So, like some healthy potatoes and vegetables. How about that? Bacon's in the oven, too, though. <laughs> okay. So remember, everyone, go to historyofpersonalcomputing.com. You can see all the show notes and links that we did. Um, Remember, you can always visit Jeff on his own page at vintagevolts.com. And you can visit my page at classiccomputing.com. We have a Facebook page, History of Personal Computing. Of course, we have our Twitter feed, History of PC. And then, uh, even though I don't think either one of us, definitely me less than Jeff, post in the Vintage Computer Forum very often, um, I do go there and check it out, and it's a great forum. So that's part of the Vintage, Comput- yeah, Vintage Computer Federation, vcfed.org. So that's that's kind of the the most popular vintage computing forums. So go there. Links in the show notes. And that's going to be it for now. Um, remember, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. Always fully research all of your purchases and sellers first before buying. And uh, oh, and just by the way, you know um, – you know, our our Facebook page is gonna, is, of course, our all our web pages gonna remain there. But um, you know, I'll be monitoring Facebook and trying to interact more more often. So even though I'm not on the podcast, so uh, anyway, everybody have a great day. Bye, Jeff. And we will hopefully <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> hopefully, we'll talk to you later, David. Um, yep. We'll invite you on on future shows. And yeah, the, the, this isn't the end of history. Personal computing It's just going to change directions, and we get to go back and backfill content. Yeah, and I'd like to be on, you know, once in a while or sometime in the future. So, don't be like those retro computing roundtable guys who won't ever invite their founder <laughs> back on the show. I'll just, I guess, I'll just go ahead and call them out publicly. <laughs> So, <laughs> have a good one. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Bye. on eBay. I never thought my life could be anything but catastrophe. But suddenly I begin to see a bit of good luck for me. Cause I've got a golden ticket I've got a golden twinkle in my eye I never had a chance to shine Never a happy 
happy song to sing But suddenly half the world is mine What an amazing thing Cause I've got a golden ticket It's ours, Charlie I've got a golden sun up in the sky Slippers, Charlie I never thought I'd see the day When I would face the world and say Good, Good morning, morning. Look at the sun I never thought that I would be slapping the lap of luxury Cause I'd have said It couldn't be oh, done But it can be done Ooh, the cane, Charlie ah, ah. <laughs> Here I go Watch my speed 